0: Morning everyone. For those of you who are visiting, we're busy with a series which we call Revive and we just trust the Lord for a personal revival in our hearts because often we hear about revival and it feels really far away. It feels you know it's 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 happened in a in a specific season in a specific country and The the reality is revival can happen right now, today, in our hearts, in your heart, in my heart. And this is how revival actually starts, by just something in your heart that is awakened, something that's asleep, it's there but it's asleep, and God comes and he awakens us, and he he makes us hungry for more, and that is how revival starts. So this is what, what we're busy talking about, and I want to to give you this morning, which which I believe is a key to revival. I want to give you something this morning, which I believe, without that, it is is quite impossible, I think, for revival to happen in our hearts. And that is hope. I believe hope is a key. If we do not have hope, it's something that's going to block that flow of revival in our hearts. So most of you know about it, but... My husband and I have been trying for for a second child. Our first one is now six. We've been trying for a second child for nearly five years now. And sometimes I, you know, when I look at the years passing and now it's come to five, I say to God, Lord, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, how on earth did we get to five years of trusting you for a second baby? How did it happen? Because it's been a journey of... Of mixed emotions and mixed feelings, and sometimes I'm full of faith and I stand on the promises of God, and sometimes my faith is really low. And you know, my my son, Vian, he has set his heart on a little sister for some reason, and we're also are trusting the Lord for a goal, so we see that as maybe a confirmation that this, that is what God gonna give us. But he's praying, constantly he's praying. If I ask him, Vian, do you want to ask Jesus for something? Maybe he can help you at school for something. No, mommy, I want to pray for my baby sister. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's constantly on his mind. I ask him, don't you want to ask Jesus for something else? No, 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 he wants to pray for her. And he, he prays very specific. He prays for her, she must have blonde hair, and she must she must be pretty and she must have brown green eyes okay very specific not blue can you believe it not a blue eye blonde little sister brown green eyes and she must have pretty hands and pretty feet (laughs) (laughs) i think it's because i tell him all the time his hands are so pretty (laughs) but you know, when I listen to his prayers, I just think, God, can you resist this? Can you resist it? Because I, if, I, if I were God, I wouldn't have been able to resist that. But what, what, what I'm trying to share with you is it is it is very real to me, a waiting process for something that, in the one hand, when I look at the promises of God, it feels so real. It feels as if it's going to happen tomorrow. And in the other hand, I sit with a five-year journey of Trusting the Lord for something that has not yet been fulfilled. And what I've what I've realized is the biggest danger for me is not that I would not fall pregnant. It is the biggest danger for me is to lose my hope. And for my heart to become sick in the in this process of waiting. So the biggest danger for you, if you are waiting for something, it's not that it's not gonna happen. The biggest danger is that. You might lose your hope. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you at? What what are you trusting the Lord for? Is there anything that you're praying for that has not yet been fulfilled? Is there anything that God has promised you that you haven't seen yet? Is there anything in your life? Maybe you're trusting the Lord for a for a life partner, which is a very real need and a and a Wonderful desire to have, to, to pray for somebody to spend your life with, to do life with, a husband, a wife. Maybe you're trusting the Lord for, for healing in your body. Maybe you've been battling with a sickness for maybe even longer than five years. And you're trusting the Lord and you respond every time when we say, come forward for healing, let's pray for you. You come and it has not yet happened. Maybe you're trusting the Lord for a job or financial breakthrough. Maybe you're trusting the Lord for a restored marriage. Whatever it is that you're trusting the Lord for, I want to ask you this morning, how's it going with your hearts? Not how's it going with the sickness or how's it going with the, you know, are there guys in church or is there any possibility? Not about that. I want to ask you, what's going on in your hearts? Because all of us have something that we trust the Lord for. All of us have something that that we're waiting for and that we, we're standing in faith for, but the question is not when is God going to answer your prayer? The question is not when is He going to fulfill His promises? The question is, how is it going with your heart? How is it going with your heart while you are waiting? Because there's a scripture in Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says, Hope deferred, Makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. In other words, you hope and you hope and you hope a bit, little bit more. But you don't see that hope in realization. You, you don't see whatever you're hoping for in realization. And if your hope is deferred and is deferred some more, it could lead to a sick heart. It could lead to a sick heart. Because hope is a confident expectation that good is coming, and the moment you lose that, your heart can become sick. Okay, hope is a confident expectation that good is coming, which also means that's fertile soil for revival. Amen. If you are, if you in your heart have a confident expectation that something good is going to happen today or tomorrow or next week, it's a it's a it's fertile soil for God to come and awaken you and revive you. But if that hope is not there, if that hope is not there, in that specific area in your life, it's impossible for revival to come. So first of all, God must come and he must restore our hope. Amen? So when we stop hoping, when we stop having that confident expectation that good is coming, when we stop having that, our hearts become sick. However, It is not God's will for our hearts to become sick. Even though Proverbs, that scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've seen in my own life and in so many people's lives that it's not really hope deferred that makes the heart sick. Because even if your hope is deferred, God can still keep your heart healthy. It's losing your hope altogether. That's going to make your heart sick. So hope deferred even is not the problem. Even if you're waiting for a really long time for something to happen, that is not the problem. Okay? It is when we lose our hope. Steve Backlund is a a pastor at Bethel. It's a church in in Reading, California. He has a ministry called um, Igniting Hope. Igniting hope and he says the following listen to this to this quote a Hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem Let that sink in a hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem which means if you are sick in your body and You have hope It's not actually a problem, but the moment you lose hope that God is ever going to heal you or that your situation is ever going to change, that is a problem. That is a bigger problem than your situation. If you don't have a job and you are hopeless about it, your hopelessness about not having a job, it's a bigger problem than not having a job. In my situation, if I lose hope that I would ever have another child, that's, feeling of hopelessness is a bigger problem than a journey of five years of waiting upon the Lord. Because it's all about our hope. It's all about what's going on in our hearts. So I want to share with you this morning just a few things that, that God has worked in my own heart. How to keep your hope alive. How to keep that hope burning in your heart. Even if you've been trusting the Lord for a husband for the last ten years... Or if you've been trusting Him for a while for 15 years, or you're trusting God for, for your parents, for their financial situation to come right for the last 30 years, and you haven't seen any results, how do you keep on hoping? How do you keep that hope alive? And the first one I want to talk about is perseverance. In Romans 5 verse 3 to 4, it, it says the following But we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance tribulation is any any scenario that that is challenging that is difficult tribulation produces perseverance it it produces endurance that feeling of i'm not going to give up i'm not going to give up perseverance produces character and character produces hope you see if if we if we, we go through difficult circumstances and we experience tribulations, we can choose to either give up or we can choose to persevere. It's a choice, and that choice is in our hands. We can choose to either give up or to persevere. And if we do persevere, the scripture is telling us that it will, it will build a character in us, and that character will lead to hope. It will build character the moment we choose to persevere, it will lead to character, and that character will lead to hope. You see, so I want to I want to give you, I want to show you a video clip by a guy called Nick Vujicic. I'm sure many of you have, have have heard about him. He's he's born without limbs, so he's born without arms and without legs, and he's been on this incredible journey as a child, as a baby, as a toddler, asking God why on earth was he born. Why, why did God allow him to be born without arms and without legs? And when God showed him that the reason for his birth was that God will be glorified, it changed his life and it gave him hope. So I just want to show you a short video clip of his life and then I will continue. Thanks.
1: I wasn't ready. I have no arms and no legs, but I'm very thankful that I have my little chicken drumstick here. (laughs) People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide um, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And i was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know. And there were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arm's legs, I wish I had arm's legs, I wish I had arm's legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm not going to have a job, I'm not going to have a life of purpose what kind of a husband am am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand it's a lie to think that you're not good enough it's a lie to think that you're not worth anything oh boy i can't feel my hands <laughs> i love life you know so many people come and say how come you smile so much and i'm like well it's 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 a long story <laughs> but it's very simple at the same time you see it's very hard to smile sometimes in life there are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand and you don't know if you're going to get through it you know you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long the storm's going to be and today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. Being patient is beautiful. I tell you, it's the hardest thing. But I realise I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand, but when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart. You know, it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders. It is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home. And angry at others. It's scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing. Every single girl right here, right now, I want you to know that you are beautiful. You are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. (laughs) On this DVD, I share my experiences in life of how I've overcome challenges and seen a new, fresh perspective in life. To be thankful, to dream big, and to never give up. I speak to children, youth, and adults about key issues and principles that I've applied in my life that has given me the strength to conquer all that comes before me.
0: I have a major cry now. It feels to me I cry every time when I look at this. You know, the beauty of this story is he got married to a really beautiful girl. He's got a two-year-old son. Perfect, perfect... Um, arms, legs, everything, <laughs> and his wife is pregnant with his second child, and this is just such a beautiful story, but he had to persevere, he had to persevere, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very easy to look at his life now, he's, he's, he has a wife, he's got a two-year-old son, but we don't know about the nights when he cried out to God and saying, Lord, why, why me? We do not know about that. He knows about that. We just see the success story and we just just see him on stage. We don't see him alone when there's questions and when there's tears. However, the one thing he got right is he persevered. And you know what? If you look at the scripture, it says tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And the amazing thing about this is he's not only, he has not only received hope for himself, he's releasing hope to the world. He's speaking to millions of people. He, he, he says he's met 30 people in, over the world without arms and legs. And he's giving hope to them. If, if, if God can, the, can do this for him, he can do it for any, anybody with a disability. And what about us? What about you, if you don't even have a physical disability, but you are just going through a really hard time, and you're trusting the Lord for something? If God can do this for Nick, for your church, can't he do it for you as well? He can. He can. But we have to persevere. Amen? It's so special. He says, Nick says, if you don't get a miracle, become one. Amen? If you don't get your miracle become a miracle. Persevere and allow God to give to, to, to give you character, which can give hope to a whole world. Amen. This is so inspiring. We have to receive the love of God. If you, if you look at verse 5 of Romans 5, it says when, when character produces hope, this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, I I must be honest with you, in the beginning of my journey, the five-year journey of of trying for another baby, I said to God, Lord, I don't understand the scripture because it feels to me as if I hope and then I am disappointed. So, sorry God, but Romans 5 is five, doesn't make sense to me. I was really trying to understand it, but it didn't make sense to me because I was hoping every month and I was disappointed every month. So I said, God, it doesn't make sense. You know, and it was up until I started seeing what God is doing in my heart every month that the scriptures started making sense. So instead of looking at my expectation and my disappointment, I looked at how God poured out his love into my heart every time I lost hope. I I could see that God, from his side, is so compassionate. He's so loving. He's so there in the moment where I just want to give up. He's so there for me. And then the scripture started to make sense. Because it's not about your hope or your disappointment even. It's about the love of God that in that moment is being poured into your heart in such a way that gives you hope. So it's not about hoping for something specific, for a specific outcome. It's putting your hope in God that loves you so much that you know He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's, He's there for you. Let me show you another scripture in Isaiah 2, verse 14. It says, it's God speaking, but then I will win her back once again. He's talking about the nation of Israel, that every time and time again, they would serve other gods. And now God is saying, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. I will return a vineyard to her, and listen to this, and I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. You know what? If we allow God to pour out his love into our hearts, he will turn our disappointments, our fears, our, our trials, our troubles, he will turn it into a gateway of hope. You know what? When we get engaged, when we get engaged, we receive a ring. For those of you who have ever been engaged, and for those of you who have never experienced this, you will experience this, amen? You will experience this one day. When, when we get engaged, there's so much hope and expectation attached to this ring and there's trans, some Bible translations talk about the Holy Spirit as our engagement ring. So how does that work? When we receive the Holy Spirit, he puts an, he puts an engagement ring on our fingers, a ring of love, and he gives us a confident expectation that good is coming. Because let me tell you, this is the one thing you feel when you get engaged. A confident expectation that good is coming. You don't exactly know how and when and where. and You just have an excitement because you're engaged. Okay? It's awesome. And I've seen so many times in, in my life that if I go through a difficult time and my husband tells me that he loves me, even if it doesn't change anything, Even if it doesn't change any of my challenges or my circumstances, it increases my hope. Because I feel loved, I feel protected, I feel safe, I feel there's somebody really caring for me. And this is what what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and He puts, He comes as a ring. This is the Holy Spirit. He comes as a ring and He puts the love of God on our fingers. And it increases your hope. And this is what Romans 5, verse 5 talks about. This hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is our engagement ring. I mean, isn't that precious? Which means your hope cannot be disappointed because it's not really about hoping for something specific. It's about the Holy Spirit who is our engagement ring He's putting the love of God onto our fingers as a ring, and it cannot be disappointed because you've got your ring. You have your ring. Amen? So this is when the scripture started making sense to me that my hope cannot be disappointed. And I pray, I I just pray, I release now just hope. Father, I pray for an engagement ring of hope. An engagement ring of hope, Lord, on everyone's finger right now in Jesus' name. I just release hope. I release an increase of hope, Lord, as you come, Holy Spirit, and put yourself as a ring on our fingers, a ring of promise, a ring of hope in Jesus' name. We also have to value our hope. So, Dinas, don't put the next slide on yet. I want to ask a few questions. I wanna ask you what do you do if something is really valuable to you? If you if you see something that's really valuable, what do you do with it? Anyone? You ensure it. Okay, anything else? Perfect. You what? You look after it. Okay, anything else? You hide it. <laughs> Okay, you look after it, you hide it, you insure it. And if it's gone, what do you do? What do you do if it's gone? <laughs> you cry. You look for it. Okay, if I lose my ring, I'm not going to say, "Oh, whatever," you know, "So what? Just a ring." I'm going to look for it. And I'm going to look for it until I find it. When it comes to our hope, What do we do when we lose our hope? Do we even look for it? Do we keep it safe? Do you even realize when your hope is gone? Do you even realize it? How important is hope to you? How important is it to you? You see, we must ensure our hope in heaven. We have to ensure it. We have to ensure our, our hope in heaven. It must be covered by the blood of Jesus. Whenever we lose our hope, we must go to God immediately and say, God, I've lost my hope. Please restore it. Please restore it to me. And he will. He will. If you ensure your hope in heaven, if, if you make sure that the moment you lose your hope, you go look for it, you go find it, and you go to Jesus to get it back, he will restore it to you. He will restore it to you. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. And I experience it over and over again. When I lose my hope in my situation, that God comes and He restores my soul. When we were on holiday in December, uh, good friends of ours phoned us to say that they they are pregnant. And they've also battled for a while. Not not somebody in his London friends from, from Cape Town. And, you know, most of the time I'm really happy for somebody when I hear the news. But in that moment, it was hard for me. It was difficult for me. And I said to God, Lord, I need to, to deal with it now, immediately. I must go to my... Insurance broken, get my hope back. And I, I went for a walk with the Lord and I said, God, I, I need my hope back because I'm happy for them, but I'm upset for myself. You know, I'm sad for myself. And I thought, when will I be able to phone all of you and tell you that I'm pregnant? The day's gonna come, amen. But I thought, when is it gonna come, Lord? It's been almost five years and God restored my heart with one question. You remember? Still small voice, God speaking to you, almost just like a thought entering into your heart. It feels almost like your own thought. God asked me the following question. He said to me, Sonica, do you want their lives? Do you want to swap with them? Which was a really good question for me, for, for him to ask me because I had to ev- evaluate my life. I had to look at everything God has given me. I had to look at my husband and, and the fact that I do have a child my life and how blessed I am and I had to say to God, No Lord, I don't want to swap. And my heart was instantly restored. And I was I was crying. I wasn't in a good in a good place. Okay. I went to walk with the Lord on my own and in a moment God restored my heart because I took it to him immediately. I said, God, what I'm feeling is not right. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to envy them. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be upset. And God said to me, do you want swap? Do you want their lives? And I said, no, God. And in a moment, God restored my heart. And this is what he does every time. Every time I think there's no way in which God can restore my heart again, then he does it again. He does. Because he's our shepherd. He restores our souls. And I'm, I'm not saying it's easy for me. I'm not saying whatever you're going through is easy. If you've been trusting the Lord for something for a really, really long time, it's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. But God is able to restore your soul if we value our hope. Because I think often we just... We just leave it. You know, we lose our hope, and there it goes. But we don't make any effort to get it back. We just let it go. We just let it go so easily. And then before we, we know it, we're in, in a in the gutter, you know, full of despair, full of hopelessness. But it's not because God isn't faithful. It's because we don't value our hope. We just let it go so easily. So ensure your hope. Amen? Ensure it in heaven. In heaven. We have to make up our minds that God is good. We, we can't think or we can't rethink it every time there's a challenging moment. We can't rethink it. We have to make up our minds. Psalm 27 verse 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart, I would have lost heart, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't know how many of you know Simon and Paula Kum, they're not in our congregation, but they were expecting a baby and the baby was born on 20, 20 32, 32 weeks. It was a girl and she lived for just over one hour. And we were at the memorial service, and the one thing that stood out for me that morning was that they made up their minds that God is good. In this moment where there's so many questions, so many unanswered prayers, and so many things that doesn't make sense, that is the one thing they have, that God is good. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, Lord, why did it happen? Why didn't you heal her, Lord? Why do you heal other other people? Why didn't you heal our baby? But they know that God is good. They know it. You see, and if, if, if we make up our minds that God is good, it gives us hope in a situation where things don't make sense, where there's no answers, where there's only question upon question. It gives us hope that God is good, but it, 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 it gives us hope if we believe, if we have made up our minds that God is good. It must be such a solid truth in your heart that when, when the storm comes, your feet are planted. It's not going to tear you apart. The wind can come, the storm can come, the hail can come, the, the rain, the whatever, the tsunami can come, but your feet will be planted. Because you know that God is good And nothing will convince you otherwise And if if there's the slightest doubt in your heart this morning That God is good I pray right now that God will change that That he'll give you a revelation That he's good That he's faithful That he's for you, not against you Not only for other people Because yes, we believe God is good But for other people Because look at my life, Sonica I don't see any evidence that God is good for me And that is a major lie. You know, the whole thing that God is good for other people, but when it comes to me and my personal life and my personal desires, we doubt it. God is good, and we have to make up our minds about it. Amen? Hope is a confident expectation that good is coming. So if we believe that God is good, our hope cannot be stolen. Because if God is good... And if hope is a confident expectation that good is coming, it cannot be stolen. Our hope cannot be stolen. So we have to know and believe and make up our minds that God is good. Amen? We have to meditate on his promises. We have to keep on meditating on his promises. Hope is not an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking. It's not an optimistic outlook. It's not just, oh, she's so positive. Shame, I hope she's not going to, you know, hit reality sometime. It's not that. It's not an optimistic outlook. It's not wishful thinking without any foundation, but a confident expectation based on solid certainty. And what is that certainty? Biblical hope rests on God's promises. It's not just some wishful thinking or uh, a positivity by nature. Hope is something that is based on a truth, and that truth is God's promises. Whether we see the result or not, whether we see the evidence or not, it's based on God's promises. I want to take you to a scripture in Romans 4, verse 18. It's about Abram. You all know the story about Abram and Sarah and how God promised him that he's going to be the father of many nations. The only problem was they didn't have children and his wife, him and his wife, were really old. Okay, I've got a few years to go to 100. So he was 100 years old when Isaac was born. 100, 100 years. He had to believe God for a long time. Listen to the scripture. Even when there was no reason for hope, no reason for hope, Abram kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. And Abram's faith did not weaken, even though at about a 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. I mean, he could figure it out for himself, Lord, you know. Two plus two is not four, yeah, because I'm really getting old. But then it says, Abram never wavered in believing God's promise. So the way he strengthened his faith is he went back to the promises of God over and over. He looked at the facts, and then he said, okay, let's go back to God's promises. He looked at his wife and at himself and the years ticking by and... Then he said, okay, fine, let's go back to God's promises. Let's go back to God's promises. And this is what he did. He never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have a promise? Do you have a promise to meditate on? If you don't have a promise, get yourself a promise. Okay, I'm not saying making it up. The Bible is full of promises. It is not good for a man to be alone. There's your promise. Okay, that you're going to get married. It is not good for a man to be alone. He finds a wife, finds a good thing, amen, a beautiful thing. And he obtains favor from the Lord. What more promises are you looking for? What more are you looking for? The Bible says, even before God said, go and make disciples and baptize them, He said, be fruitful and multiply. So if you are trusting the Lord for a child, there's your promise. Amen? There's your promise. God said, be fruitful and multiply. His first command ever, He said, to, to, he said there you go. Have babies. Amen? Within marriage. <laughs> Find yourself a promise and meditate on it and go back to it. You know what? I often, I often come to a place where I just want to give up and I say, you know, let's just move on. Let's just really move on. And then when I read through God's promises, I think, how can I just move on? How can I do it? How can I just forget about so many words from people, so many dreams people have, so many scriptures God has given me. So many things. How can I just forget about it? I can't. And every time I read through my pages and pages of promises, my hope increases. And this is what Abraham did. He went back to God's promises over and over again. So we have to persevere. Amen? We have to do what Nick Vujicic did. We must persevere. We must allow the Holy Spirit to come and be our engagement ring. We have to allow him to come and put the love of God on our fingers. We have to value our hope. We have to ensure our hope in heaven. We have to be convinced that God is good. We have to be utterly convinced that God is good. We have to stand on his promises. And then lastly, we have to wait upon the Lord. We have to keep on waiting and waiting and waiting upon the Lord. Isaiah 64, it says, For since the beginning of the world, which is since the beginning, okay, when God said, let there be light, that was the beginning. Men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who do what? Who acts for the one who waits for him. Do you know how many times I've meditated on this scripture when when I don't know whether I should continue to trust in the Lord? Then God takes me to the scripture. Then he says to me, God acts for the one who waits for him. He does. He will act for the one who waits for him. Not necessarily in our timing, not necessarily in the way we expect him to act, but he will act. He will act for the one who waits for him. And this is what I'm trusting the Lord for. I say, God, I'm waiting upon you. Lord, maybe I look like a fool. Maybe I look like this this innocent little girl trusting in a God who's not going to answer a prayer. But then I say, God, this scripture tells me that you will act on my behalf. You will. You know what? The correct way to hope. In the Lord, the correct way is to steadfastly expect his mercy and his salvation and his rescue. But while we are waiting, not to take matters into our own hands. And I think that is the danger when it comes to waiting. Okay, God, I've been waiting for 10 years for my husband in church. I'm going to look for him somewhere else. I've heard that many a time. Okay, God, I've been waiting for you for so long. To answer my prayer, I'm not gonna make it happen like Abram did. Abram is, is Sarah said to him, No no no, Abram, I'm really old, but you know you you're still the man, so just make it happen. And yes he did make it happen. But Ishmael if you read what the Bible says, Ishmael was a baby or a son born of the flesh, but Isaac was the son born of a promise. And this is where we need to choose. We need to choose. Are we going to make it happen in our own strength and get what we want? But it's not. It's not the son of the promise. It's not what God intended for you. You make it happen. You say, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm tired of waiting upon the Lord. And you make it happen and you get what you want. But it was never what God wanted for your life. So are you willing to wait? Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to stick it out? Are we willing to say, God, I only act, I only move if I get a green light from you in terms of whatever you're waiting for, okay? There's nothing wrong to go to a doctor if you're sick. I'm not saying that he's taking matters into your own hand. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about if you're really Know that you know that you know that God says wait. And you know if you're going right, that you're not waiting anymore. You will know. You will know it. Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to wait? You see, if our hearts turn away from God in this process of waiting, we lose our battle. It's not really about when God's going to answer your prayer. It's not really about when is he going to fulfill his promise. It's about what will the condition of your heart be when that happens. It's not about when God's going to fulfill his promise or answer your prayer. It's all about what will be the condition of your heart when he does fulfill his promise. You see, because if God gives me another child, but in this process of waiting I've given up hope. I've become bitter and offended and angry with God. What does it help that I have another child, but my heart has turned away from the Lord? I'm losing. Now I have my child, but now I'm bitter and I'm offended and I'm angry. And I, and now it's this major process, you know, for me to get my heart right towards the Lord. And this is my challenge for you this morning. It's not about getting what we want in our timing. Yes, God is a God of love and he wants to fulfill his promises and he's for you. But if we lose our hope, if we lose our love, if we lose that connection we have with God in the waiting process, we lose the battle. It's a loss. It's not even half a win. It's a lose-lose situation because we the, the, the most beautiful thing we possess is our connection with the Lord. You know, and I've, I've had to make up my mind about this. What if I never fall pregnant again? I have to think about it, all right? Even though I stand on the promises of God. And I've made up my mind that my heart will not become bitter. I've made up my mind that my relationship with God is more important for me than another child. And you need to wrestle through this yourself until you come to that point where you say, even if God never gives me arms and legs, like Nick Vujicic, even if he never does it, my heart is not going to turn away from the Lord because he is my most precious possession. And it's hard if you're sick. It's hard if you're sick and you trust the Lord. We believe it's God's will for us, all of us, to walk in healing. That is God's will. Our lives, But what if you wait for 10 years and you're still not healed? What is going to be the condition of our hearts? And I just decided that I will fight for my heart towards the Lord. I will fight more for my relationship with God in this process than what I'm fighting to have another baby. Because for me, it's more important to have a connection with the living God and for my heart to be soft towards him. Than to have another child, and I want to encourage you this morning. This is our goal. Whether you're waiting for your life partner, whether you're waiting for a financial breakthrough, whether you're waiting for, for a job. Whether you're waiting for for your body to be healed, or a marriage to be restored, or a, a answered prayer, or a, somebody somebody in your family to, to be, to be delivered from drugs or addiction or, or just the, the wrong way that he's on, whatever you're trusting the Lord for, whatever it is, our hearts towards the Lord is more important than getting that something. Amen? And this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. We have to persevere. We have to put on the engagement ring of hope, the Holy Spirit. We have to make up our minds that God is good. We have to ensure our hope and we have to look for it. The moment it's gone, we have to look for it. And Jesus will restore your hope. So I just want to encourage you this morning. I really feel God is going to restore your hope this morning. Whatever you're trusting him for, is going to give you hope. Amen? All of us have something that we trust the Lord for. It is good for us. It is good. It is not bad. It is not bad to walk by faith and not by sight. Let me tell you, you are designed to walk by faith. God designed you to walk by faith. It feels difficult, but it's not that difficult. You are designed to see with the eyes of your spirit and to trust in a God that we cannot see. You are designed. You are made to do it, and you can do it. You can walk by faith. We want to walk by emotions and we want to walk by feelings and by sight because it's easier, but we are designed to walk by faith.